Hello, Exchange. I am so excited to be here tonight. As he already said, my name is Chrissy, and my husband, Hal, over there, he really is the better half. I tell him that all the time. We do pastor and lead over at the Temple Terrace campus. So if you live in the USF area and you have not yet found a church home, come hang out with us on the weekend. Come sit up front right with me. I have a seat waiting for you. So recently, I started working out again, as you can tell as I run up the stairs out of breath from worship. That's right, I recently started working out again because I fell off the wagon in a very real way about um, a couple of months ago. But where are all of my cardio people at? Bill. (laughs) Where are all of my heavy lifters? (laughs) You are my people. But about a year ago, I was just kind of doing the same thing in the same routine, and I realized that it just wasn't really working for me anymore, so I needed to switch it up. So I remembered a couple years prior, I did P90X. Anyone ever do P90X? And I had some pretty good results. I think it was the only time in my life where I actually had abs for the first time and last time. (laughs) But then I thought, hey, let's try something new. Beachbody, I guess, has a thing going on, so maybe I'll figure out insanity. And some of you guys laugh because you know. I didn't know. And I guess the name did not deter me. (laughs) So I'm marking up my calendar for this long 90-day journey that I know lies ahead of me. I have my meals prepped and ready and in the refrigerator. Goals, right? And then I go and press play. Mm. First of all, everybody in Insanity looks like they could model the cover of a fitness magazine. So I am like, I am going to look amazing. So I go and press play, and my boy Sean T, in the first 15 minutes, this man has us doing 15 different exercises, hardcore exercises, from crab claws to like split squats, okay? And this is after we already did like our stretches and stuff like that. So we're, we're going in, and we're doing this like funky star jump thing, and literally right when I was fixing to die, the Lord made a way. And he's like, okay grab your towels and your water bottle. And I'm like, finally, thank goodness, because I'm not seeing a way out of this. And he goes, let's go. It's time to get started. The warm-up is over. And I'm like, hold on a minute. The warm-up? Like, friend, we, we, just, we just went in, right? Like, we got this, 15 minutes. Like, I, I, I don't know how long this is supposed to last, but I did not sign up for this. I am not going to make it through this. But how many of you guys know that the promise of being fit, it comes with the preservation through the promise, right? Persevering through the promise, and you don't even have to have done insanity to know that any good stretching, any good growth, any good purpose comes out of what a really, it feels like pain, right? So Mark and I, we were talking last week about how much we've really enjoyed this series because it's, it's so relevant. I mean, I don't care who you are, we are all a work in process. And we all are in a season of wait for something. I don't know about you, but I know what it feels like to be stuck. To ask the very real questions of God, maybe you're done with me. God, did you leave me? God, did I hear you right? God, do you really have something for me? 
And I know that there have been times in my own life where I wrestled with God, wondering, God, are you even in this? How in the world did I end up here? God, why is this happening? God, where are you in the middle of my unmet expectations? So before Hal and I were married, we had our plan, and our plan was that we wanted to have two kids of our own, and then we were open to having conversations about adopting. And so after our first son was about a year old, we decided that we would start trying again. And that summer, I just so happened to come across a little book called Restless by Jenny Allen, and God used that book in that season to start implanting something deep down on the inside of my heart where he started igniting a passion on the inside of me for people who were believing the same lies that I once believed, for people who felt like they were unworthy, and so they were just so shackled to their shame and their guilt from the consequences and the choices that they had made, for people who felt like they lacked purpose, that their life even mattered, for people feeling unseen, God also began to burden my heart in that season for people who were incarcerated. And that was different for me. That was new because that was not a part of my story. But what God showed me is that I knew full well what it looked like and sounded like to walk around in my own self-made prison. So trusting in God's timing while trying to grow our family, I just trusted that he still had work for me to do. Thus began the adventure with God right in the middle of my wait. So days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months, and there was baby announcement after baby announcement, baby shower to attend after baby shower to attend, and now we have gender reveal after gender reveal. Then an entire year went by of quiet and of nothing. And then finally, it was our turn, and we were pregnant, and we were so excited, and we were so relieved. <laughs> so of course, we were excited to tell our families that we had to have this cute little shirt made and this cute little picture made, and that's how we were going to tell our family. But then Mother's Day came, and that's when we were going to tell everyone, but then the evening of Mother's Day everything changed. I started to feel a very sharp, throbbing pain on my left side, and so I do what any of us do. What do we do? We go to Google. <laughs> but I gathered what seemed to be what I was experiencing was called an ectopic pregnancy. And I thought, I'm in a lot of pain, so I'm just going to sleep it off. And maybe when I wake up in the morning, the pain will subside. Maybe it's just no big deal. So I woke up in the morning and I called the doctor right away and I said, hey, listen, I've got to come in. I am demanding an ultrasound. I know you guys don't normally do that. And the nurse is like, I'm sure you're fine. Everything is fine. But yeah, well, if that's what you want to do, then we'll do it. So I go in and I have the ultrasound and she brings attention to the heartbeat. And I hear it over the speaker and then she grows quiet. And she goes and she leaves the room and she comes back to with the doctor and the doctor comes in and says, well, the good thing is, we caught it early. But I need you to go to the emergency room right away to take care of it. To take care of it. That was the coldest and loneliest hospital room that I have ever been in before. I remember when the nurse came in, she said, okay, so I'm going to give you these shots, one in each of your quads, 
and it's called methotrexate, and then you're just going to sit for a while. We're going to monitor to you for about an hour, and then you're free to leave and go home, and that will take care of it. Can someone explain to me what take care of it means? And she said, well, basically, the medicine will go straight to destroy any rapidly dividing cells. Rapidly dividing cells. You mean a baby? So I imagine right when they administered the shots that that medicine was going straight to the heartbeat that I had only heard a couple of hours earlier. God, this doesn't seem fair. God, are you even in this? God, how did I end up here? God, don't leave me here. So we were told to wait three months before we would start trying again. And so in August of that year, we had a plan. We know what to do, when to do it, in order to help our plan come to fruition. So October 14th came of 2016, and I went in for a regular ultrasound with the fertility doctor when he looked up and he said, ma'am, it looks like both of your tubes are severely blocked. And it is going to be highly unlikely that you are ever going to birth children ever again. But wait a minute, I think that you got the wrong girl. I think that you have the wrong records. You need to go back and look because see, my husband and I, we had a plan and this wasn't part of the plan. Have you ever had that moment when you had a plan and then all of a sudden, you felt like you crashed up against a brick wall? On the car ride home, I was confused. I was frustrated, I was angry, I was feeling very sorry for myself because in just four days, the prison ministry was supposed to launch and God, I don't even think I have it in me to go and do this any longer. God, you said that you're good. God, you said that you long to give your kids good gifts, but God, where are you in this? God, I gave you my life. God, we went through this this season of freedom and healing and you freed me from a whole lot of baggage and God, we have been running hard and strong ever since. God, it's been me and you, but where are you now? Don't you see everything that I've been doing for you? God, I've been checking off all of the boxes. Where are you now? This wasn't the plan. So I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait on you. And then that night, I had a dream, and God showed me a sea of women's faces. And I knew that those were the faces of the women that our team were supposed to go and meet at Hernando Correctional. So when I woke up that next morning, I knew I had a choice. I knew I had a choice that I could either sit here and I could wait on God to move or that I could trust and obey that he is faithful. Because you see, I knew that our Team Hope Rising, the hope that we were going to bring into that compound was literally going to rattle the walls. Little did I knew that that seven-year journey of walking out the wilderness had just begun. So the question that I have for you today, and the title of this message is, what do you do? What do you do when the present doesn't look like the promise. Maybe some of you in here, you are experiencing your own physical wilderness right now. Maybe some of you are so desperate for healing to have what is wrong be made right. You are desperate for a healer. Or maybe some of you would say that you feel like you've been in an emotional wilderness, 
Like you are so tired of the bitterness and the regret and the depression and the anxiety. You are desperate for deliverance. Or maybe for you, you feel like you are caught up in a relational wilderness where you are just looking for any acknowledgement or maybe a reconciliation of a relationship, but you are also just so scared of being alone. You are just wanting so badly to finally be the one chosen. The main verse that I want to speak on today is from Hebrews 10.23, and it says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope unswervingly. For he who promised is faithful. So my prayer for you today, what I don't want you to get is I don't want you to feel like I am lessening or making light of your experience or your pain. Quite the contrary. I hope that my prayer today is that you would feel seen and validated to know that, you know what? Yes, the wrestle in the wilderness is real, but don't miss out on the miracles in the middle. The wrestle in the wilderness is real, but don't miss out on the miracles that are in the middle. See, number one, in the middle of the wait, he wants to work through you. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So after that day, October 14th, 2016, between October and January, God just started to bring several people into our lives who had something to do with the system of care in our county. So we met a social worker, we met a guardian ad litem, we met a young single foster mom who was doing it all by herself, and we decided, hey, Let's attend an orientation and see what this foster care thing is all about. Because fostering was never a part of the plan. But in the middle of the wilderness, Hal and I looked at each other and we said, why not? Why not us? The ability to meet a very real need that we learned about, an urgent need in the, the crisis that is in our county, the capacity crisis for the amount of kids coming into the system of care versus the amount of safe and faith-based homes that there are for them to go to. Why not us, even in the middle of the wilderness? When Mother's Day came that year, the prison ministry was so honored to be able to have Sunday service and serve the women at Hernando Correctional for what is really a hard weekend for a lot of people there. See, the weekend prior, I'd actually had several conversations with different women who were just so distraught. Like you could feel the heaviness and the shame and the guilt because so many of them had lost their children to foster care, lost their children to this system either before they were incarcerated or while they were incarcerated and they shared that they had no idea where their babies were that they had no idea who was caring for them or what was happening to them, and that shame and that guilt was crippling. So I knew in the middle of the wilderness that I didn't realize it at the time, but God was actually changing my heart towards the mothers who were, we were going to be meeting in foster care. God was giving me the words to speak to their loss because I knew loss. 
And later that same month, we officially became licensed and we received our first phone call only three hours after being licensed. Someone called and said, hey, in two hours, we're gonna have two boys at your doorstep. And that happened. A couple hours later, we had two boys, three months and three years old, two tiny, terrified humans crossing our threshold and meeting us who were terrified as well. But later that week, they told us that we were gonna be meeting their mom for the first time and that we would have a play date. So God, what did he do? He put it on my heart to write that mom a letter. Because see, I had remembered those moms in prison. I had remembered their hearts and the loss that they suffered and how distraught they were. See, he was giving me another opportunity to speak to loss. I wanted her to know that we were going to stand with her, that we were for her, that we were going to advocate for her, that we didn't want her children or to take them away from her, but we wanted her to get her babies back while she got healthy. And, a la and later that year, still in the middle of the wilderness, God would see fit that Hal and I together would be able to play a small part in birthing God's dream for a young adults ministry here at Grace called The Exchange. <laughs> And we had envisioned young adults all across Tampa Bay coming together to exchange their life for the fullness of life that can only be found in him. See, when you allow God to work through you in the middle of the wait, you are able to find out that you can live out your purpose and calling in any season. And when you are wakened to the lives that are connected to your faithfulness, and you can trust that each next step of faithfulness will just lead to a next step. So not only in the middle does he want to work through you, but in the middle he also wants to do a work in you. Romans 5, 3 through 5 tells us not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, each Mother's Day that came around, I decided that I was just going to get creative. Creative about finding ways to honor the moms of our kids and making sure that she knew that they were mom. Even while we sat in the tension of all of the feelings of that day. Still in the middle of our wait and waiting on our miracle. But I knew that I was determined not to let the enemy win. That I did not want to make an idol out of my wilderness. That I did not ultimately want to grow bitter and worship the expectation of what I knew the giver could give me. But I wanted to worship him. So a few years in reunifications later, two more of our boys would return home to mom, and the family still came to church with us regularly. We would have play dates. They would come over to the house. We would talk to them on the phone regularly. We would babysit. They were just an extended part of our family. And so you would think that, to my surprise, when mom called soon after reunification and said, I'm pregnant again. And I don't think I can do it. What do you mean you don't think you can do it? I don't think I can start over again. I'm going to get an abortion. And I said, God, am I being punked? 
Like, you know me. You know my story. And in the middle of the wilderness, do you know what he told me? He said, you are going to walk alongside this mom. And you are going to fight with her. And you're going to fight for that baby. Guys, I don't know if I have ever prayed for anything so hard in my life. More than I prayed for anything that I've ever prayed for myself. I said, God, I really wrestled with him. Why have you called me to walk alongside her in this? And he said, because you're the girl for the job. I said, well, I think you're dead wrong. But (laughs) especially when mom three separate times called me saying that she was on the way to the clinic. So the emotional roller coaster was just up and down and up and down. But mom chose life. And I just want to say quickly here, if this is part of the wilderness that you are walking through right now, if that has been your experience, I just want you to know how loved by God you are. And I want you to know that the shame and the guilt that you might be carrying, that you were never created to carry that either. And that in him there is healing and there is restoration. And I think I can speak for all of us to say we are so glad that you are here and that you belong here. So God told me that September 7th, we were going to throw mom the biggest shower that she had ever seen. And mom never got to have a shower. She was a young single mom. She had her first child when she was only 14 years old. And so he said, you're just going to love the crap out of her. And that's what we did. And the weekend after that shower, mom came forward with her boyfriend and they were both baptized. See, one of the things that I've learned in the wilderness is that there are always miracles in the middle. So by the end of 2020, we had fostered about 14 kids in five years, and we decided that we were going to take a much-needed six-month break. And if you've been around Grace for a minute, you may have heard that we do a 21-day fast leading up before Easter. And so Hal and I just decided, hey, we're going to fast about what this next season looks like and what we feel like God is calling us to do in this season. And I feel like in that fast, it was probably the first time that I was ever real with my emotions with God. And I told him, and I said, I am actually really terrified to do this again. I am tired. But if you want me to keep saying yes, even if, even if I never get the desires of my heart, even if I will be faithful. See, when you allow God to work in you, he also starts to reveal some of your idols. He starts to reveal the different ways that we try to cope. So where do you run to in the wilderness? Who do you run to? He exposes our control, the ways that we try to manipulate to try to get our way. But what he also does in us is he begins to transform us. And this is the difference between what we call salvation and sanctification. So salvation is when you surrender your life to God and you trust him for your eternity. But sanctification is surrendering your life here to God and saying, hey, I want to look more like your son. It's a process of becoming and looking more like Jesus. And when you allow God to work in you, you also start to develop a desperation to see his glory when you surrender and say, God, your plan, not my plan. 
So not only does God want to work through you, not only does God want to work in you, but you can guarantee that in the middle of the wait that God is working all around you. Isaiah 43, 16 through 19 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So it was Mother's Day again in 2021, so not this past Mother's Day, but the Mother's Day before, when Dee first came to us. And his story was much different than any of the other stories um, that we had witnessed before. It was the hardest, the most broken. And his short, little, three-year-old life. And it's not my story to share, but we've actually never met his mom, which is a big burden of me because she's actually a big part of my heart. But in the middle of the wilderness, when we didn't know where this story would lead, we just said yes. On October 14th, 2022, seven days to the date that that fertility doctor told me that we would never have children of our own again, Dee legally became Daxton Mayor. And after we named him, I didn't really even think about it, we decided to look it up because we just thought it was a cool name and it sounded cool, but we actually looked up the name Dax, and the Dax, the name means a warrior who overcomes many battles. I think it's perfect. (laughs) So it turns out that the day that we threw that shower for that mom, for that child that I had prayed harder for anything that I have ever prayed for in my life, that that was the very day that Dee's first mom was in labor. He is working all things around you in the middle of the wait. The whole time that I was wrestling, he was redeeming. While you wrestle, he is redeeming. So when I read that book in 2015 and I prayed that prayer called Anything, and preparing for today, I went back and I looked over some of my notes. And one of the questions, it says, looking back at all your painful experiences and the lies that you have believed, write down what you would want to say to the person on the other side of your obedience. Guys, seven years of faithfulness in the wilderness, seven years of just walking it out, just walking it out, just take that next step, led us to him. To be able to look him in the eyes and say to him how I answered that question in 2015 on my paper that says, you are worthy of being known and pursued. And you have been chosen for a purpose, on purpose. See, what I know is that infertility was not God's plan A. What I know is that adoption was not God's plan A for Dax. But in the middle of the mess, amidst all that is broken, God arranges all of it to make what is beautiful. See, what the enemy means for our destruction, God will turn to good every time. So that means that when we choose to trust in the middle of the wilderness, we win. We win no matter what when we choose to trust him. And you want to let, I'll let you in on a little secret. 
It's actually him. That's the greatest miracle of all. God with us. See, the wilderness wants you to believe that hope is over there, but hope is here. Right in the middle of the wilderness, because of Jesus, we have been giving the promise of his presence that we can stand up against it. In the middle of the wilderness, that we can be unswerved, we can be unmoved, we can be unbending, and we can stand up. We don't have to fear the weight. We don't have to fear the wilderness. You don't even have to fear your greatest unmet expectation. The greatest miracle in the middle, it's knowing him. It's knowing him more intimately because when you come out of the, the wilderness, you look different. You sound different. And you tell a different story. So what if we stopped trying so hard to, to crawl and to climb out and to circumvent our way out of the wilderness? What if we started to see what appears to be a setback as a set up so that we know we have been set apart on purpose for a purpose? What if instead of seeing the wilderness and saying, oh my goodness, the wilderness is surely gonna annihilate me, we say we have been appointed and we have been anointed for what it is that he is calling us to. What if? Make no mistake, the wilderness will ready you more than the mountaintop ever will. The wilderness will ready you more than the mountaintop ever will because see, the wilderness, when only seen as an unexpected interruption, will always shout lies of loss and less. Oh, but when it's seen as an appointment, that sets the stage for God's economy to bring multiplication. So as I close today, I just wanna leave you with three quick steps as you walk out your wilderness. And the first is this, remember. You have to remember what he has done. The second thing we can do is we can rest in the middle of the wilderness. We can find peace in who he says that he is, that he is there and that he is peace. Which brings me to my third point, that you have to ready yourself with his promises that you have to get in this book and you have to know who he is and the character of who he is because there's gonna be days in the wilderness when that is the only thing that you have left to stand on is that he is good and that he is for you. So what do you do when the present doesn't look like the promise? What do you do? You hold on to hope. You hold on to hope because you know that a waiting season, it's never a wasted season. Some of you have been wondering what this prayer is of anything, what it's all about. Those of us who have been saved and set apart for a great purpose, and that great purpose is actually not a secret. We are to know God and make him known. So we do not dream independently. God does not sign off on our dreams. He is the builder of our dreams. So our job, we bring them our blank canvases. We hand them over and we say, God, anything. Whatever you must create for your glory, do it. What if you told God today that you were going to give him everything? Friend, in this moment, I believe that God is inviting some of you to start playing a part in the most epic story that he is still writing in your life. That's part of his bigger story. But here's the thing. It might not be your plan. But I wonder, who is on the other side of your obedience 
in your faithfulness. See, sometimes I, I sit and I think about how I could have missed out on playing a part of any of this. I sit down and I just think, man, what if I had just tapped out? I don't know about you guys, but gosh, I get mad when I start thinking about the lies that I was tempted to pick up, thinking, I deserve this. Thinking, oh, he maybe would have not even married me if he would have known that this would have happened. Something must be wrong with me. I will never be good enough. Why would God want to use me? Or what about the real scary questions, guys? The questions we ask ourselves on the darkest night. God, are you even real? Is any of this even real? Why am I doing any of it? Exchange, I wonder what would happen if we all got a lot less mad about how we ended up here and how we are going to get out of here. And instead, we decided that we were going to stand together and that we were going to get real, real mad about all of the lies that we've started picking up along the way in our wilderness. I want to know if anyone else would actually stand up. Would stand up. Come on, exchange. Stand up and show the enemy your stance in this moment. We're getting real. We're doing business here. Did you come here tonight to do the same thing that you did yesterday? No, I don't think so. Let's show the enemy our stance. Right now, I'm sure a lot of you guys can say, yeah, I am tired of comparing my story to somebody else's story. I am tired of all of the worry and all of the anxiety and all of the depression. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Game over. Checkmate, enemy. We see you and we say no more. We say that our God is bigger. We say that our God is better. And we say that he is purposing all things together and he is doing something new. He says that he blesses those who wait upon him. He said that they will rise up and they will soar on wings like eagles, that they will run and they will not grow weary, that they will walk and they will not faint. That promise is for you. Come on, exchange, because I think that there's some things that brought you here that they're not going to take you there. So I want you to look down right now at your feet where you're standing. And then I want you to look up and I want you to repeat after me with a boldness. And I want you to say, I have an appointment. I am standing on holy ground. I am standing on fertile ground. And he is doing a new thing. Father, we praise you. We give you praise all across this room because you are good, because you are faithful. God, you are provider. God, you are restorer. God, you are deliverer. And we hold fast to the confession of our hope because he who promises is faithful. Stand up and give him praise.